This is exactly right. Would you like to lead us in a clap? Yes, thank you, Stephen. Ready, everybody? One, two, three. <laughs> Great. Whenever you're ready. We've done it. Okay. Welcome to my favorite murder, the live stream mini-sode. It's happening. This is real. We're alive. I can't believe this. This is so weird because it doesn't, because we can't see everyone. So we don't know that we're live, but I can feel it in my bones. George is licking herself behind you. Is she? (laughs) Oh. George. Hey. Hi. Three-legged George. She has to get on camera. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She never lays there. That's so funny. I love this. Welcome, everybody. We're so excited to be here with you. This is our first ever live stream, and I think it shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't know that, you haven't been paying attention. Um, you can tell that we get thoroughly edited at all times. That's the truth of it. Um, should we just get into mini mini stories? Let's do the mini so. What do we usually say? Uh, hey, Karen, you want to go first? These are the emails that you send us. Oh, right. Uh, we read you your thing. Get right. it? Did you get it? And yeah, I'll go first. Okay. George, please don't please. be vulgar. Please. I- <laughs> <laughs> Did you see her freeze? No. <laughs> she froze mid-lick and now she's ashamed. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, this, the subject line of this first uh Email just says hometown story. Hi, ladies. No, I'm excuse me. Hello, ladies. Hmm. I've never felt like I had a juicy story to send in. But when I heard you talking about murder on Middle Beach, I knew it was my time to shine. Hmm. I grew up in Madison, Connecticut, where murder on Middle Beach takes place. And boy, oh boy, do we love our secrets here. Madison is the type of wealthy small town that loves to paint itself as perfect and quaint. When in reality, it is far from that. With only 16,000 residents, everyone seems to know everyone here, and rumors spread quickly. I thought in this email I would do something a little different and share Madison's dirtiest little secrets yay, with you. Yay, yay, <laughs> Tell us your town's dirty secrets. What? What? A start to a live stream. We're starting with gossip. It's getting good. This is the thing I miss most um, in quarantine. It's just gossiping. Yeah. Straight up, like, news about other people's lives oh that you God. get. When you see your friends. Totally. Oof. Tell me everything. So this will um, this will hold us over. Okay. Okay. I'll start with the cops in Madison because they truly are something else. First, there were the Madison police officers who were caught meeting sex workers behind the middle school. <laughs> Perfect place. <laughs> hmm. Then there was the cop who stole almost $1,000 worth of lobster from a local seafood restaurant. <laughs> All at once or little by little, I'd like to know. (laughs) That's a great question. To catch who did this, the police department set up cameras at the restaurant. Even though this cop, all caps, knew that the cameras had been set up, he still went back and stole more lobsters, eventually leading to him being caught. And then you have the cop that was caught using the police database to look up the women he was dating. It's all very classy. We also had a weird middle school science teacher who was, quote, asked to leave for looking down girls' shirts and having emotional outbursts in class. Dude. 
About two years after he left the school, we saw this man in the news because he had attempted to rape and strangle a woman in a park bathroom. Holy shit. Another fun teacher we had was my freshman high school English teacher. As we were studying Romeo and Juliet, this woman was creating a forbidden love story of her own by sending nude photographs to a student in the class. May I remind you, we were 15 at the time. His friend heard about this and confronted her, and to keep him quiet, she did him some favors and gave him hush money. Eventually, these students went to the police, and she was arrested. Her husband was another English teacher at the school, and he even wrote a book about the whole experience, which is very cringy to Mm. read. It's very cringy to read right now. And finally, the murder on Middle Beach. The story has been weirdly brushed under the rug for a long time. Since this literally is my hometown murder, I always wanted to write in about it, but there's just not that much information out there. I think the lack of police work done on this case has really contributed to it being sort of forgotten. Barbara Hamburg was really a part of the community, though. Many of my brother's friends knew the family, and Barbara even tried to get a friend's aunt into the pyramid scheme that she was a part of. I'm glad to see this show is bringing needed attention to the case, and hopefully it will lead to some closure for the family. There's more crazy things that have happened in Madison, like an escaped convict running around the woods on or a murder-suicide, but there's just not enough time to cover it all. (laughs) Overall... You were both very accurate in your description of Connecticut life. It is pretty extreme, and we do love to keep our secrets hidden behind closed doors. Thank you for creating such a great community of murderinos, Olivia. Yay. Oh, my God. That's good. Yeah. Let's do like if you have a town that has a ton of secrets, but like, you know, no hometown, just send those in. Those are fun. Yeah. Only um, don't use it as a creative writing experience because <laughs> there's really no way for us to, to kind of cross check secrets. Oh, right. We you had know. in my town when I was in high school the there was two English teachers married and it came out that the dude had been uh assaulting a student while I was really? there. You mean yeah. just like the just like just the like one that. I just read? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. All right, mine's called The First and Last Time I Picked Up a Hitchhiker. <laughs> Hello all. In the late summer of 2012, I was 19 and had recently broken up with a boyfriend for cheating on me with my best friend. I dumped her ass, too. Don't worry. (laughs) Anyways, in this weird post-breakup, riding the high of my own indignity period of my life, I made some questionable choices. Picking up a hitchhiker was one of them. Oh, I had just finished dinner with a friend in Los Gatos, which is near where you cats right oh yeah yeah it's it's north bay what did she say or it's bay area it means the cats and (laughs) nothing just go ahead i'm showing off for the live stream and i was walking back to my car when an older down and out looking woman asked if i could give her a ride feeling like nothing bad could happen to me in this bougie town and genuinely wanting to help i said yes then she asked if i could drive her to red the redwood estates which is a trailer park off highway 17 in the santa cruz mountains This was long before I had heard of Ed Kemper, but I still knew that there was no fucking way I was going to drive this random lady out there. (laughs) So then she asked if I could drive her to her father's friend's place about 15 minutes away. Okay, that seemed more reasonable. As I turned to get in my car, she said, wait, let me get my bag first. She then walks over to some hedges and pulls out a comically large black duffel bag. We get in the car and she sits in the back seat directly behind me. (laughs) (laughs) I started driving and we tried to make small talk and I asked her what was in her bag. (laughs) That's not small talk. Uh, (laughs) Without batting an eye, she replies, dolls. 
oh, fuck, I seriously regretted this decision, but I didn't feel like I could change my mind at this point. Oh, I replied, trying not act like trying not to act like that was the absolute creepiest thing she could have said. Hitchhiker Lady then went on to say how they were gifts for her granddaughters and how excited she was to give them to them. Thinking things were on a more normal track, I asked her what her granddaughter's names were. Her mood instantly shifted and she replied coldly, none of your business. Oh, fucking K, lady. (laughs) We get to the apartment building and she asked to use my phone because, and I shit you not, it would be rude to show up at someone's house without calling first. But apparently, Shanghaiing a teenager and her car was totally acceptable. No one answered. So what would any sane person do? Probably not what I did, which was to drive this lady all over Santa Clara County for two (laughs) hours. What? In that time, she probably made about 50 calls on my phone. I don't think anyone answered a single one. And to this day, I wonder if they were actual phone numbers. I was too scared to try any. By the end of the two-hour excursion, my fear had worn off and I was replaced by complete apathy. I didn't care if I died anymore. I was already in hell. I finally pulled to a bus stop and told her to get out. I didn't tell anyone what happened until about six months afterwards, partly out of embarrassment and partly because I didn't want to reflect on what could have happened. Stay sexy and don't pick up hitchhikers, Emma. Emma, (laughs) first of all, thank you for sharing one of the more horrifying (laughs) hitchhiker stories. But the idea that she went through a bad breakup, a horrible breakup, and then started making bad decisions. And one of them was pitching up, picking up hitchhikers. It's like, what happened to the peppermint schnapps area that you were supposed (laughs) to live in for a while? Like some would say that's better or worse. Some would say (laughs) (laughs) some might. They would and they might. And they probably have. (laughs) And they'll say it again. The idea that she had dolls hidden in the bushes. And a duffel bag. A gigantic duffel bag where it's like, how many granddaughters? I would have immediately said, how many granddaughters do you have? Yes. And the answer is zero. I think we all know. Truly. Yeah. There were no granddaughters. There were no dolls. Every time Emma looked away from like the rearview mirror, that woman held up like a hacksaw (laughs) and then she would put it down really fast (laughs) is what I'm writing in my movie about Emma's experience. Okay, this one also is the subject line of hometown story. Greeting ladies, fuzzy friends and male associates. That's good. My hometown is from me and is from me and my hometown for Toronto. My hometown is from me and my hometown for Toronto. Okay. But <laughs> does that make sense to you? Not yet. Not unless it's actually she killed. It's her murder. It's from. <laughs> let me just try one more time. Okay. My hometown is from me and my hometown for Toronto. But it also involved my lovely boss. My badass boss is Dr. Sasha Reed. She is a psychology researcher who studies violent crimes, but more specifically serial killers and their behaviors. Let me tell you, this woman is the coolest person I've ever met. She's also a person who local police should have listened to when she said a serial killer was behind the missing men in the Toronto gay village. Our name for the area where a lot of LGBTQ people and clubs are. A few years ago, Toronto was struck over the course of several years by the sudden disappearances of men from the gay village in the city. Dr. Reed at the time advised the police that it was likely the work of a serial killer. The police already did not appear to be taking the disappearances seriously as the men were presumed to be mostly gay and people of color. The fact that it could be a serial killer made a lot of people think of how blasé the police are in most cases involving POC and the LGBTQ community. 
Anyways, after Dr. Reed had tried to advise the police, there wasn't much she could do besides wait until they asked for her help or found the person behind the crimes. Months later, Bruce MacArthur was arrested while trying to tie up and eventually torture and kill a man in his home. Um, the police had traced the disappearances back to MacArthur, who had been meeting and then murdering the missing men under the guise of a one-night stand. Here's a wild part. He worked as a landscaper and would bury the bodies mm. in the large plant potters that would serve as decorations in the locations he worked. Fuck. He was eventually sentenced and is now serving time. And Dr. Reed is continuing to be a bad badass and study serial crime. And then parentheses, see her in the Unabomber doc on Netflix. Sorry for the length. Oops, that was not long. Stay sexy and don't get your landscaping done by a serial mm. killer. Mira Lee. Wow. And that's actually, if you guys haven't listened to it already, there's an, uh, it's a Canadian podcast undercover, um, called The Village that is, I think, either six or eight, maybe longer episodes that goes into this case in detail. It's harrowing and it's really good and really awful. It's so tragic. That's just awful. It went on for years. I mean, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Listen to female ther psychologists, please. Right. Is that what she was? What's her name? The the doctor? Her doctor. Her name was Dr. Sasha Reed. Cool. Psychology researcher who studies violent crimes. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to read you the title of this one. Hello, all. My dad and his buddy from NOM And it, then it says, yes, as in Vietnam. My dad was in his 50s when I was born. Um, we're mm. driving through Utah. So my dad and his buddy were driving through Utah to go buy some car to flip in Idaho. They were pulled over for excessive speeding and were brought in. I think there's more to it, but I don't have the resources to figure it out. <laughs> but, but while <laughs> Let's start a fund. Yeah. Let's get her the resources. But while I was at the station, the police department offered to clear their ticket and pay them $50 a person if they stood in a lineup. My father obviously agreed. Then it says $50 in the 1970s, despite possibly being pointed at. Because they could have been. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I didn't think of that either. I, I was like, mean, hell yeah. Yeah, I didn't do anything. I'll do it. Um, and so did his friend. And so off they went. He said, at the time, I only noticed how cramped it was. But no skin off my back, really. I was still having nightmares and hitting the bottle. I think she means from <laughs> Nam. My dad didn't find out the truth until Anne Rule published her book and and my mom read it. So the title was My Dad Was in a Lineup with Bundy. Oh, shit. and I know everyone has everyone's parents have Bundy stories, but this one is just like fucking bananas. And this is a good letter. So uh, my dad tried to keep the book a secret from me. <laughs> this is my favorite part. But I have ADHD, so that didn't work. <laughs> That's a superpower. <laughs> I can do anything. <laughs> Try to hide something from me. <laughs> I dare you. At the age of eight, I skipped directly to the photos in the middle section and was shook to see that my dad and Uncle Bob uh, were standing shoulder to shoulder like in a lineup from cops. And then it says, I used to watch cops and Jay Leno with my dad from the age of three. So I was anxiously aware of crime. I was curious as to why some man was sandwiched between my dad and his friend. I showed it to my mom, who froze, before getting angry that I found it. My dad turned almost greenish when he overheard us. I asked him for literally weeks before he told me why he was in the photo. He explained who the man was and what type of murders he committed to an eight-year-old. Yes, I was horrified and disgustingly <laughs> fascinated. He had no idea Ted Bundy was a killer. He apparently he apparently seemed all American and his cologne smelled nice. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Once my dad learned the truth, he said that he came very close to shitting his pants. <laughs> he never told me anything else about it. And my dad died when I was 17. Mm-hmm. His friend is still alive. But when said friend was trying to flirt with my mom, my dad's widow, at the wake for my dad, I chased him with a serving ladle from the buffet until he left our packed house. Good. And then it says, oh, pre-COVID times. <laughs> I might reach out to him now that I'm much older to get his perspective. But now I understand why my dad thought it was okay for me to watch true crime television shows. He wanted me to stay safe from monsters like Ted Bundy because you won't know a monster from a man until it's too late. Mm. Well, that and I was almost abducted at the age of nine. SSDGM, Johnny Elizabeth. <laughs> That's a good one, huh? Johnny Elizabeth? Yeah. Johnny Elizabeth, you nail A, you nailed it. B, how dare you put a cliffhanger at the end of your email and then just leave. We're going to need a follow-up, please. You're going to have to come back. That's true. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Okay. I won't read you the subject line of this last one. Hello to the best murder-tainers out there. Oh. In 1980, I was a 15-year-old waitress at a popular local restaurant in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. It was my first job ever. The uniform uh, then for the restaurant was a stunning, in quotes, Kelly green and white pinstriped polyester mini dress sported by uh, nude colored pantyhose and white nurse granny shoes that needed to be prepped before every shift with white shoe polish. Gotta love the 80s. This is important, I promise. Because I was only 15 and lived a couple of towns over in Cumberland, if I couldn't get a ride to work from someone, I had to take public transit to and from work. After one such shift on a hot, hazy, humid August afternoon, I needed to get a bus home and was waiting at the stop across the street from the restaurant and trying not to melt. There were a group of us waiting when a huge Cadillac Coupe de Ville pulled up, disco music blaring. The car door opened and out came a tall man in a pink, yes, pink polyester suit and his huge hat with feathers on one side. He walked up to me and started saying that he wanted me to go for a ride with him and began pulling me towards (gasps) his car, saying that I was pretty and he liked my look. Oh, my God. Nope. Remember the uniform. The only thing worse than that uniform would be pretty much nothing. Plus, there was no way anyone in their right mind would think that my scrawny 85-pound ass was anything but pitiful looking. Pitiful looking, especially wearing that ugly uniform full of ice cream and sweat stains. The bus arrived amidst all the confusion, and a woman came flying out of it, hitting the man as he was grabbing me to try to force me into his car. Yes, in broad daylight with a crowd of people who saw and heard what was happening and stood by doing nothing. This woman was older. Short and stocky, with graying hair up in a bun. She came off the bus, hitting the man several times with her handbag. She grabbed me at the same time that she was opening a can of whoop-ass on him and yanked me onto the bus, muttering and swearing Mm. under her breath the whole time. The pimp, let's call him Rooster, jumped back into his car and sped away, most likely cowering in defeat and humiliation. She just sat down in the front and didn't say a word for the entire bus ride. Actually, no one said a word. They just left me to sit in the back of the bus, shaking and wondering what the fuck had just happened. Once the shock had worn off, I realized that I actually recognized the woman. When I went home and told my parents what had happened, needless to say, I had to take the bus to work again. (laughs) Yeah, too bad for you. My mother called her friend to tell her that her mother 
saved my ass. She uh, she called back the next day to say that she didn't even know that it was me. She just saw someone in need and became a grandma to the rescue. Stay sexy and never go against a grandma with a conscience, even against a pimp. Sharon. Wow. (laughs) She just did it. And then she was pissed. She had to do it. (laughs) That's the best. (laughs) No, not, 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 not a word about it from no from anybody. That's it. No. No, That's that was the 80s. Amazing. You suffered alone publicly. Okay, I have one more, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, friends. This is from the fan cult, actually. So maybe Rachel is watching right now. Oh, my God, Rachel. Can you see this? <laughs> is there a Rachel here? Okay. Hi, friends. I work in audiobook production. And a few years ago, we produced Tom Hanks' book of short stories. Of course, he read it himself, but mostly in L.A. and I was in NYC, so I was bummed I couldn't worm my way into those recording sessions. <laughs> Turns out that when it came time to do pickups, he was in New York and my incredible boss who was producing the program let me join her. He is exactly as kind, professional and down to earth as you'd imagine. So when I took so when they took a lunch break, he joined us. Fucking classy, right? Yeah. And the director and his assistant at a table for sandwiches and some Diet Dr. Pepper. And it says in parentheses, oh, my God, we have the same favorite soda. He asked for he asked how the audiobook was coming together as a whole since he had been recording it story by story. My boss kindly directed everyone's attention to me saying, Rachel, listened to the whole rough cut this weekend. Tom Hanks sitting across from me, looking directly at me, asks, oh, what did you think? I was so flustered, I blurted out, it's great. I couldn't stop listening to it. So now I'm behind on all my murder podcasts. (laughs) Cue everyone in the room chuckling. Tom Hanks laughing with a look of curiosity on his face. Murder podcasts. What are they like? Like one whole podcast dedicated to one story or each episode is different. A different murder. Me in my head thinking, stop talking. Stop talking. What are you doing? (laughs) Says, well, it depends. Most of them like my favorite murder. She fucking said my favorite murder to Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. Covers different stories each week. But if it's a heavy hitter, like, say, Dahmer, some podcasts will spread it out over a few episodes. (laughs) Literally everyone in the room is laughing, including Tom Hanks. But in my amused, no one has ever said these words. But in an but in an amused, no one has ever said these words to me kind of way. When I said the Dahmer thing, though, his eyebrows shot up and said, whoa, so I beat Dahmer this weekend? Amazing. (laughs) Tom Hanks. I mean, at this point, I'm also laughing and managed to say something along the lines of, yep, quite an accomplishment. Then it says, this man has a presidential medal of freedom. Uh, My boss and I still love telling that story. I was so afraid she would be mad at me. But by that point, she'd been working with him for a bit and assured me that A, he genuinely loved that absurd comment. And B, I pretty much cemented myself in his memory because it's doubtful he'll ever get a compliment like that again. (laughs) I have extreme social anxiety anyway. So having the full attention of Tom Hanks, along with everyone else in the room, short circuited my brain. And I went into autopilot. And that is always and always has been... Uh, just start talking about serial killers. <laughs> a murderino to my core. Sorry, this is so long, but I was stoked to finally have something to write in. I've been listening since the very beginning and you guys have gotten me through all the times. Good, bad, and socially awkward. I consider you two the big sisters I never had and always, always turn to your voices for comfort when anxiety strikes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, love to all and sundry at exactly right. And never forget to stay sexy and don't ever stop talking about murder. Rachel. 
Rachel. <laughs> Tom Hanks has heard our, the name of our podcast. <laughs> Rachel represented it even under duress, even Truly. under the hardest time. Yeah. She repped us. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Um, if we ever meet a celebrity, we're going to talk about you. <laughs> Great idea. You write this. Let me write this name down super quick, in ca- just in case. <laughs> Rachel from the audiobook company. <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Um, should I try to get Elvis to do a live meow? We have to take some questions, George. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Steven. I have, I have the first question. These are live questions. Just sorry, because we're going to play this on Monday as our mini-sode, just audio only. So for the people that are just listening to this as a mini-sode... Oh, yeah. The people that are watching the live stream right now, which we can't see, uh, but they have been asking questions. And so some questions have been chosen. And now we're going to answer some of those questions from the people that are watching us live right now. Yeah, that's right. So the first question is from Kendall. And she says, what were some of the other names you had for the podcast in the beginning? Never. Right. There was no, it was no. literally let's do a podcast. Uh, what should it be about? What are we going to call it? Right? Yeah. 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 I think I remember going to the bathroom in your old apartment and coming out and saying it <laughs> and almost say not meaning it. I remember it. It was kind of, it was just kind of like, yeah, how about kind this? of putting it out there. I remember which is it exactly completely differently. <laughs> completely. We were at the 101. Remember it? Uh, we were at the 101 cafe having lunch. <laughs> I went to the bathroom <laughs> and I came out and uh, then you said it. And it was. Oh, could have been. Maybe I'm just thinking about because I really loved that old bathroom in your house. <laughs> it was like the <laughs> old tiles. <laughs> but either way, it it was not thoroughly vetted or thought through. No. Nope. Uh, which is very much like the theme song, which I picked up, played, did a recording of, sent it to Georgia. She's like, yeah, maybe. And then suddenly it just, I don't ever remember us saying, we'll definitely do this. It just ended up being that. I think I said, it sounds great. Let's use it. But you had just been playing, you had just been playing it as a, like a, like, how does this, something like this sound? And I'll make it, I'll actually do a recording. And I was like, this is it. Let's do it. I think it was just like, (laughs) let's just fucking start. If we don't start now, we're never going to start. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. For the 500 people are going to listen to it. No one's going to care. Let's fucking do it. Also, in talking about this, it seems like all of this was 25 years ago, which is the weirdest <laughs> part where I'm just like, what? Uh, I think I remember. There hasn't been a podcast So bizarre. Here. 25. Um, thank you, Kendall, yeah. for asking that question. And thanks for watching the live stream. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. The next question is also from Kendall. And she said, Karen, <laughs> the what same it- Kendall? Yes. The, the very same. Is there only one Who's person right? watching is this? Ken- yeah. Is Kendall <laughs> the only one here? <laughs> That's so embarrassing. This went poorly. Um... Karen, what is your favorite thing about Georgia and vice versa? Uh, Sorry, why does Kendall get to monopolize <laughs> this conversation? That's insane. Steven, um, is she paying you? My favorite you? thing about is Georgia is Georgia is a natural. Like Georgia does. First of all, she just does things. She's not scared. Aww. She just kind of says yes to things, and then she's good at them. It's really impressive. Like the first us doing live shows when she had only done say a handful of like live appearance things, and then we just went straight to live shows and Georgia just was like good at it automatically and kind of not intimidated. It was, it was really impressive. Oh my God. 
God, that's so nice. Thank you. It's true. That's it's the truth. That's lovely. Okay, what's mine about? Oh, shit, I have to fucking. All right, mine about you. I think is your like confidence. Like it's. I guess it's like what. What do I? What do I wish I could? You know, and have that you have or that that I admire is your confidence. Whenever it's like, if there's never like, please and thank you. Uh, I don't deserve to be here. Kind of like I don't want to upset anyone, which I think is my default. It's like I deserve to be here and I deserve to be respected and heard. Uh, and I I just admire that so much. I think it's just like how I've always wanted to live my life and it's fucking difficult and you do it with like ease and it and not not in a way that makes anyone like you know question it it's just yeah you gotta listen to fucking karen (laughs) good job thank you it's good to be your partner (laughs) i just reaped the benefits from that (laughs) thank you it was uh yeah Thanks. Thanks, Thanks. Kendall. Mm. Tw- double time. It's touching. Kendall, if you have one more question, I swear to fucking God. <laughs> this one is not from Kendall. It's from Vanessa M. She says, she asks, uh, they ask, when recording, do you ever sense when an episode is going to be spectacular? I feel like I'm always a little surprised by what, some, what will, like, in the comments will be like, this was a great episode. And I'll be like, was it? Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell... I feel like I know when we are on in terms of comedy together yeah. and it, because it's um it, it, I mean it, it happens all the time just because we have that kind of special chemistry that's a little bit automatic and you like for me it's like you always surprise me like you never say a thing I anticipate you always say a thing where I'm like what the fuck did you just say and it it makes it so fun but yes there are times where then that you get like on a roll, you know, yeah. with like that we start feeding each other. And I know that those are like, those are little special comedic chunks that don't always happen. Mm-hmm. And I definitely track those when they happen. Cause it's, um, it's exciting. And yeah, but I don't think as a whole, because this, these episodes change from like the top and then we get into shit and it gets heavy and it gets yeah. serious. And the conversation is, is very, is varied, yeah. I guess. So um, it's hard to tell. Like sometimes at the end, it really does feel a little bit exhausting and super upsetting and depressing. Yeah. So then you're kind of like, like there's, you know, oftentimes Georgia will say like, oh, this was a bad one or sorry, that was a really bad one where I'm like, yeah, they're all fucking horrible. <laughs> they're all horrible. Yeah. 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 I think too, like when I'm as far as like our stories that we cover, when I'm like doing my research and writing my story and I think I can't fucking wait to tell them about this. I mean, or you, you know, I can't wait to tell Karen about this. If I find out sh- or like if I'm doing one in the future and I find out that I get so nervous that you're going to cover it before me. And I'm like, but I can't <laughs> wait to do this. And I'm going to tell her this. And I found out this like little secret that no one knows about it. And like when I'm just like pumped to tell the story, I think that it, it probably shows that we like are passionate about the story. Yeah. I mean, I think that's if people are wondering or thinking about starting a podcast or whatever, I really think you should just get to if like I think that's the key is that you have you have to care about what you're talking about actively and in the immediate presence present because that's really the only interesting thing right if you're kind of like inter- interviewing someone or talking to someone and you kind of don't care it'll totally show yeah and so we you know I think we're always excited 
to uh, like to break stories to each other, to tell each other things. Um, yeah, there's a real that part of it is so interesting. It's like it we look forward to it. Yeah, definitely. I think. It's exciting. One last one from Kendall. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and one last one from Kendall. Uh, no, this is from Hannah and Sean. And they ask one story that you love. And I'm presuming it's like a, you know, one of the stories that you tell each week. Uh, one story you love, but would never tell on the podcast. Toy box killer. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Toy box killer. That thing is. Fuck. It's just torture. Yeah. Literally. It's literally just women being horribly tortured. And then someone gets away and it's like, how do you then live? You're like, she's amazing, but it's not like a happy ending in any way or like a like a powerful Jesus. It's it's well, the thing is, it's just so dark that that. Yeah, it just like almost an area. It's similar to Dahmer in in that way. And I'm sure eventually we'll cover Dahmer. But every time I think about it, it's just like what you're really talking about are socioeconomic issues, are race, class issues, all these things, um, policing issues, homophobia. it's, It's so much shit that's like and that back then it was so much worse that it's like you just know getting into it is just it's you know you could you could talk about it for five hours yeah. i mean that's you know that's why totally it's it's been covered and for me there's there's been a couple that i like f- from my hometown that i just wouldn't ever mm, do mm-hmm. that's there's a, there's actually a couple that would be great and interesting but um yeah i would get in trouble <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> literally. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Is that all the questions? I have one more that's maybe a little bit more uplifting. Oh, let's uh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> smart, Steven. Smart. He uh, knows how to do it. Uh, this one is from Deb and she asks, or they ask, what's the biggest lesson you've learned so far from your success? Hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Don't take it for granted. Don't. Let's see. What are lessons people learn from things? Oh, what are general lessons? Uh, I before E. <laughs> Don't look well, at gift horse. For this one, I think um, it's don't be afraid to learn as you go. The way we started this podcast is very different than the way we do it now because we grew along with it mm. and we developed it and kind of took in information as we went, which I think is, I I can't say that I, that would, that was not a conscious decision. We were just kind of in the improv of doing this with you guys, with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, very early on, we learned to listen to people and to listen to um, notes and stuff like that. And to kind of dig deeper into stuff because, you know, we've talked about this a bunch, but you know, Growing up on true crime media in the 80s and 90s, it was just all blonde cheerleader murders or, you know, or things like Ted Bundy where the where the serial killer was celebrated or kind of strangely lionized in a way. So it, we we kind of I definitely learned about it in a very backwards way. And so I think this new version of true crime fanship is a very engaged caring empathetic version Mm -hmm. um that i think some people are still very wary of uh but but for us 
people in the know and the people that participate in it, I think it's actually beautiful and has so much potential. It has so much potential to do good and to, you know, affect people. Definitely. And be yourself, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Always, always be striving and (laughs) rig a tissue. And also um, invest in stocks and bonds. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you know what it is? Get a good... um, Waterproof mascara. Great idea. Always wear sunblock and a hat. Please. You know. Oh, you wrote that song about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always wear sunblock when you graduate from high school. <laughs> You're vitamin C, right, Georgia? That's you? <laughs> That's me. Oh, yeah. no. My secret's been told. Okay. Now should I get Elvis and see if he'll do What about... Here's my last piece of advice. Okay. Um, Pick a job that you not only love, but that you can do in quarantine. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I think that's, that's a good one. Well, actually, pick a, pick just because you're, pick something you're passionate about and that you love and don't say, but I can't make any money off of that. And so you go to college to do something boring that you hate or get to take a job that pays the bills, but you don't love and it's, and it's soul crushing. Like, Find something that you really are passionate about and, and fucking do it. And you never know when it'll actually turn into be your like turn into your career, you know? Right. And you're going to get your soul crushed anyway because you're like 22. <laughs> so, you know, buck up because that's what happens to every human on the planet mm-hmm. and use the crushed soul, the new dimensions that come out of your crushed soul to see what you really want because you know you don't want that. That's good. Yeah, it's like a prism. You're crushed. Your beautiful little crushed soul. Yeah. And it shines. It, yeah, it makes all those those beautiful rainbows on the floor of your life. <laughs> what? Stop it. Your prism heart is a kaleidoscope. Uh-oh. Let's, we better, it's we better, let's wrap in. this down. Okay. <laughs> Vince, will you bring Elvis? Thank you. <laughs> this is like Vince coming on stage at the end of the mm-hmm. show. Right. America's husband, Vince Averill, everybody. <laughs> uh, let's see. You know what he he said to me? He left. Huh? <laughs> he left. He's gone. <laughs> He's like, fuck this shit. Here he comes. Oh, thanks, Hannah, Sean, Vanessa, and Kendall Kendall for asking us all those questions and for being yeah. here tonight. And everybody else for being here tonight. And Stephen. We for, really appreciate for being it. The- MC Stephen Ray Morris. <laughs> it's alive. He was, <laughs> he was get sleeping. on here. Get over here. Oh no. Aww. Say hi to everyone, Vince. <laughs> Yo. Hey. Okay, let's see if he'll do it. <laughs> okay. Hi. You want a cookie? Elvis, you want a cookie? He wants to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis, do you want a cookie? No. He's been shy lately. Goodbye. Oh. <laughs> Elvis. Okay. Oh. No. Want a cookie? Want a cookie? No, he's laying down. We're, you know what? Notes. We're going to dub it. We'll dub it in later. Yeah. It's live. You never know what's going to happen. Hey, man. That's what live streams are all about. Anything can happen. All right. Thanks, you guys, for being here with us. Yeah. What a joy. Yeah, I loved it. We, we didn't fuck it up. <laughs> Barely. Hardly. <laughs> well, everybody. Yeah. Let's live stream again soon. Definitely. And until we do, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie?